Hello and welcome to the Mind Springs podcast with me, Alastair Appleton. I hope you enjoy what you hear, and if you'd like to find out more about us, then visit mind-springs.org. So emotions are not thinking. Certainly from a Buddhist point of view, they're a different category of phenomena. And if you look, uh, again, there's a wonderful book by um, Guy Claxton called The Intelligence in the Body, which is really, uh, sorry, Intelligence in the Flesh, which is a really fantastic overview of all this interesting new work in the last 10 years about uh, the systems of, of the body and consciousness. So I highly recommend, it's very readable. Highly recommend that. <clears throat> and uh, the emotions are much more primary than our thoughts. In terms of evolution, emotions go back to, well, when mammals first branched off, so that's like two million years ago. Uh, as far as we know, cognition arose probably 100,000 years ago. So there's been 55 times more emotions than there have thoughts. And so they're probably 54 times more you know, deeply wired into our being. And emotions are in absolutely central for surviving in the world. They're much more, in some senses, much more grounded in reality than thoughts because they are about uh, survival. So they're a different category of, of phenomena, and in some senses, certainly people like Yak Pangsep would say they're much more fundamental than thinking. Um, where emotions tend to um, trip us up is when we overthink our emotions. When our emotions arise and then we go, I shouldn't be having that, or I need to channel that into a different direction, or I, we kind of twist and turn and we don't actually feel the naked emotion. Going back to what uh, Sonia asked, asked uh, way back about what arises first and then what we act. You know, meditation allows us a kind of crucible or a test tube where we can feel the emotion come up. We don't have to then translate it into action, but we can really sit with the wisdom of that emotion. Similarly, we can see thoughts come up and we can see, well, what is this thought actually doing? Is it duckweed or is it you know, conscious <coughs> uh, steerage that we should follow? It's not saying that any of these things are good or bad. It's about being able to really sit with them and uh, experiencing them fully before we act. And I suppose what this exercise was to demonstrate is to start to just investigate thoughts as phenomena. Sometimes in meditation we can go, thoughts are bad, we need to just get rid of all our thoughts, which is a hopeless endeavour because we're designed to think. It's one of our crowning glories as, as uh, primates. But the, um, the, lev the way that thought kind of runs out of control and goes unchecked, this is problematic. Because in some ways it's what creates that, that prison of grey, abstract worry that stops us being alive. So it's not to demonise thoughts, but to really check in with what they are. What are they? It's a question, that's not a rhetorical question. 
Um, this is true that sedimented beliefs, which I think is what you're talking about, which was a thought that we had at some point that became, was maybe repeated several times and then became a belief, like sedimented, it dropped down to the bottom of our awareness. Uh, and then it becomes a sort of pattern that we then like, oh, you know, dogs are all lethal, yeah. for example, or mothers are terrible, or fathers are wonderful, or whatever, you know, people are persecuting me or I'm worthless, or whatever our particular belief is. These then do, uh, they're like stones in a river, so the river then flows around it in a certain way. So the energy of our life does then churn up emotions around those, um, those thoughts. You know, if you walk around thinking that you're a piece of shit, then naturally emotions like, uh, self, you know, negative emotions are going to be more prominent. But the, the important question is, where did those beliefs came, come from? They came from overwhelming emotions when we were little. <coughs> so the emotion comes up in a child that there's something wrong with them. You know, Mummy and daddy are drinking and fighting. And the only way a child can make sense of that is to say, I did something wrong. It's my fault. Because it's too painful to, to, to think that your parents are rubbish. So, you know, and around that emotion, which is intolerable, that fear that you're going to be abandoned or that your parents are, going to, are awful, you build this belief, there must be something wrong with me. And then in turn, that belief then creates more emotions, like a stone in the, in the river. But the initial uh, uprising is emotional. How do you actually then reconnect with you? By meditating. By meditating. <laughs> <laughs> It's my go-to answer. No, I mean, seriously. <laughs> seriously, uh, these somatic practices that, uh, you know, Reggie, you know, that come out of Trumper's dictum, every mind state is workable, every experience, human experience is workable. You know, they, it's creating a container and a space where we can turn towards our experience, be it a bodily experience, be it an emotion, be it a thought, and we can stay with it long enough that it reveals what it's really about, gives its energy, and then moves on. So the, the sitting practice of meditation, which is what we're going to be looking at, is the safe space. It's like the container, like this is a container for the group, and the island is a container for this. The sitting posture is a container within which anything can come up and can be safely experienced, can deliver its message, and then can disappear back into space. So, I don't mean to be glib, but this is why meditation is so powerful. It gives us the container within which we can investigate and enjoy our life. Even I don't mean enjoy, oh, it's all great, but we can find the joy in all the manifestations of life, including the painful ones. Yeah, I think this is the, 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 the key thing, is that we are embedded beings. You know, when we talk about human beings, we're not, we're not like solitary units. You know, we, this again is beautifully talked about in Guy Claxton's books. We are a, a system, we can call our body as a system full of subsystems. There is our emotional system, our endocrine system, and our immune system, our nervous system, uh, you know, all the cellular systems, all the systems of our various organs, system of the brain, and then that system, with all its subsystems, is part of supersystems, 
So the system of this group of society, of being in England or Scotland or France or Belgium, it's the system of being on this planet, the system of this planet being in the universe. You know, there is no, there is no separation. If I was separate, I'd be dead. So we are always being, you know, we are, as, as Ian pointed out, we are primarily kind of responding to our mother's system when we're in the womb and then our family system when we're little and then increasingly kind of our friends' system and then our society system and our work systems. Um, so there is no separation in that sense and it becomes a problem separating these things out. Um, and that, you know, of course, in that sense, meditation is slightly artificial because we are, if you like, taking a snapshot. We're kind of creating a test tube in order to have some sort of uh, framework. But ultimately, life isn't meditation. Life is much more, as we were saying yesterday, like falling through space. Thank you for listening and please do join us again for more podcasts from MindSprings. You can find out more about us and our work at mind-springs.org. That's mind-springs.org.